0: We're going to talk about Jesus died for me. We'll be doing these four points. And and this is a great place to be, honestly, this morning, a week before Easter. Because there is a chance, as we look into the Bible together, that we may get it. And if we get the cross, if we understand the cross, we understand Christianity. I would say even more, we understand life. Daniel talked about the padlocks being broken off, the chains being broken off that hold so many. Well, the key to that padlock is cross-shaped. If you want to understand how to live a free life, a life that counts, you've got to understand the cross. There's a guy called George Bernard Shaw said, I like Christianity, I just don't like Christianity. Sorry, mate, you can't have Christianity without Christianity. If we get hold of this, we get hold of Christianity. The cross of Jesus is actually the center point of history, Jesus knew it. You know, he'd read his Old Testament. It's absolutely astonishing as you read the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before Christ actually he left heaven and came to earth. It's all predicted. You know, there's like a hundred very specific prophecies in the Old Testament about those few days around the death and resurrection of Jesus, right down to all sorts of crazy detail. You know, in the Old Testament, it's prophesied in Zechariah chapter 11, that not only will he be betrayed by his close friend, but he'll be betrayed for the exact amount, 30 pieces of silver. Fast forward 600 years and it happens. It's prophesied in great detail in the book of Isaiah, exactly what people will do to him. Not just, you know, they'll beat him up. But they'll spit on him, they'll pluck his beard out, they'll beat him. It's all predicted, and it all happened in exactly that detail. It's predicted in the book of Isaiah that he would remain silent before his betrayers. As they threw all these accusations at him, that he was a blasphemer and a heretic, and he deserved to die, Jesus was silent. It's all there in Isaiah 53, get this a thousand years before Jesus walked on the earth, before crucifixion even invented in Psalm 22, read it if you don't believe me it's predicted that he'll be nailed through his hands and through his feet and when they read that a thousand years before Jesus they must have been like, what's that all about? And then fast forward through history and it's all, it all happens, it all comes together. It, it's prophesied in the Old Testament that he'll be punished and side by side with criminals. Read that in Isaiah 53. He says he'll be numbered with the transgressors. It's even prophesied the kind of tomb he'll be put into, a rich man's tomb. You can read that in the Old Testament. Signed a grave with the rich. It's all there. Anybody who wants to look. In a way I should stop there and do my appeal now, shouldn't I? It's all predicted. It's all there, a big shiny light. This is Jesus. Nobody else has fulfilled all these prophecies and about another 302, too. But Jesus did. In Isaiah 53, it's predicted that this death will result in salvation. For all mankind, for anybody who accepts it. Listen to these verses, these beautiful verses from Isaiah 53. Surely He, looking forward, this is, this is Isaiah looking forward 640 years in history to a time when the Messiah is going to come, the Savior of the world, God's going to leave heaven and come to earth on this great rescue mission. Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. We considered Him punished by God, stricken and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed ...for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace... ...was on Him. And by His wounds... ...we are healed. Is anybody like... ...thank you God! Hallelujah! This really happened. It's all been planned. You see as Jesus came to earth... ...He left heaven and came to earth... ...and there was all this palaver around Bethlehem... ...and then there was like 30 years of silence... I might have said it in this church, I've often thought how frustrating it must have been for the angels in heaven. You know, Christmas, boom, the boys are here. The Saviour has finally happened after all this prophesying and all these hundreds of years of waiting that it's happened. God has arrived on the scene and then nothing. He makes tables and chairs for 30 years. We only know about one thing he did, you know, one little appearance in the temple about age 12. But through that time... We know Jesus grew in favour with God and man. And we know he studied the Bible. And he would have read all these prophecies. Imagine reading. Knowing you're the one reading about the terrible death that you're going to suffer. And Jesus, as he read his Bible there in Nazareth. He would have discovered there's a thin red line of sacrificial death all the way through the Old Testament. And yet everybody knew it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to... To sacrifice and animal for people's sins. They knew the Saviour would have to come. And all the people before Jesus were looking forward to this great life and this great death and this great resurrection. And all the people, in fact, since have been looking back. In fact, I would say all history. And I was thinking, preparing this little talk today, about just what it must have been like for Jesus growing up in Nazareth. Nazareth was where the rough people lived. You know, it was the northwest of Israel. A little, it was little more than a bunch of caves. You know, you can imagine Jesus, can't you, going to Jerusalem. He's like, hey, yon, lads, i have the of the truth of the life. No one comes to me, to Father, but through me. And the Pharisees were offended at him. It was this clown from northwest, from Nazareth. And yet then you look at his words, and you look at his life, and you look at his death. And it's just the most beautiful thing in history. And as Jesus mixed with broken humanity in Nazareth, I'm sure his heart must have ached. Because like you and me, they were messed up. They were separate from God. They were broken. It wasn't the way it was meant to be. There's all this sickness and all this pain and all these relationship problems and all this rubbish going on. And Jesus actually said, I'm distressed until my job is completed. He knew he had a job to do. His job was to live and ultimately die for our sins. To make a way back to God. To take the punishment that we deserve. It's all there in the book. All prophesied. In Mark chapter 1 when Jesus was confronted by a lost broken man with leprosy. He had to live in a camp separate from the rest of the society. He wasn't able to, allowed to, to go into the temple to worship with other people. It says he was indignant. Like, this is so wrong. This is so not the way it's meant to be. Somebody's got to do something to sort this mess out. And he did it. Matthew chapter 9, he's looking at the crowds, a great crowd of people all around, thousands of people. He's looking out of them, and and the Bible says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were separate from God. So he went all the way and did something about it sorted out that problem the sense of disconnect the lostness that we all experience until our sins are forgiven and the ways open back to God he went all the way in the greatest act of self giving love in history there's a chance just by being here this morning maybe we'll get it maybe we'll focus on it maybe we'll understand maybe we'll be like thank you Jesus you died for me so I'm going to live for you who was broken and battered on the cross? He took all the punishment of sin. In fact, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says Jesus became sin. Black with sin. Every filthy, disgusting, horrible sin that mankind's ever committed. Everything ISIS is doing, all the disgusting people traffickers, all that stuff that went on in Syria, you name it, the Nazis, whatever, Pol Pot, all that rubbish all the pain and all the sin of history was poured into Jesus. Think about it. This morning, think about it. See, we have at the centre of our faith and our service a, a, a communion service. You know why? Because we forget. Jesus said, do this regularly in remembrance of me. Remember that my body was broken and my blood was shed and it was for you because it wasn't just Pol Pot's sins or the sins of the ISIS soldiers it was your sins and it was my sins that put him there Jesus was, the Bible says my substitute not talking about Marcus Rashford coming on for Ibrahimovic I'm talking about Jesus Christ coming on for me, you see I'm a sinner God's holy and heaven's perfect And all I deserve is hell. I deserve separation from God. But Jesus came on in my place and suffered the punishment that I deserve. I deserve to die and be separate from God. And yet Jesus took the full wrath of God on the cross. Do we believe this? It's amazing. When we fully get it, we fully understand it. He's got to change everything. Everything about the way we live and think and give and serve. utterly fantastic Jesus became as black as hell so you don't have to go there on the cross Jesus shouted out God why have you forsaken me, why have you abandoned me literally and no answer came and the perfect relationship between God the Father and God the Son was broken you know Jesus through his life said lots of times stuff like I only do what the Father tells me to me and the Father are one he was in this, he was a perfect example of what it's like to walk in freedom and openness and complete communion with God. That's the great example he was. And what must it have been like for Jesus, for that to be cut off? Because he became sin for me and you. Hideous. That was the thing that horrified him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, the nails were horrible and the beating and the whipping and the crown of thorns and the mocking. He felt the pain of that. Of course he did. But the real pain was the separation from the Father. He was separated so we don't have to be. As Jesus died on the cross. Next to him were these two criminals. You know, it was all, it was all prophesied. One of them slated him, slagged him off and cursed him. But one of them saw the way Jesus died and said, this is different. This is like God. I mean, we've seen people die on the outskirts of Jerusalem where no one's ever died like this. So full of forgiveness and mercy and grace to the very end. And So that thief said, remember me. In fact, you know, I might just read a few, a few verses out of the Gospel of Luke and then I'm going to show you a, I think an astonishing video, a brutal video to be honest. But a video that if we take it in will change our lives and then we'll ask for some sort of response let's do this so this is, this is Luke from uh, chapter 23 from verse 32 so Jesus has been tried this mockery of a trial he's been accused of blasphemy nailed to a cross and he's dying in hideous agony. I mean, I remember Eric Dell, who was an evangelist, came to our youth group when I'd just become a Christian. The first time I'd ever really understood just how brutal the cross was. You you were nailed, not through your hands, because your hand would slip off through your wrists, and through your feet, and you were pulled down sharply. And every bone in the top half of your body would go out of joint, and your heart would ultimately break and your body cavity would fill up with blood, people would scream beg them to kill them rather than go through this torture, it was like the sickest most degrading, most horrible form of torture and death mankind's twisted mind had ever dreamt of and Jesus went through it and it was a picture, it was God's great drama. This is how bad sin is. Somebody's got to take the punishment. I can't say it doesn't matter you've sinned and messed my world up. It does matter, it's very serious. It's this serious. But somebody's got to be punished and Jesus was my substitute. I deserve that. He got it. Can we say just hear a hallelujah? Even if you don't normally say hallelujah, maybe we shouldn't say hallelujah. Thank you Jesus this morning. Anyway, so there's two other men. Both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, Don't you fear God? He said, Since we're under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. We, a bunch of us have been at Spring Harvest last week. And um, who's been at Spring Harvest? Yeah. Yeah, and it was great. And uh, but, uh, the day Anthony spoke on the main stage, you know, did this, uh, this uh, presentation, was Fancy Dress Friday, unfortunately. So Anthony did this very serious thing about mission and church planting and stuff looking like a slightly cheap version of Johnny Depp as a pirate <laughs> one, and Robert Barnum actually stole the show as a toucan, but... Parrots? Oh yeah, parrot? sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Perhaps he didn't steal the show then. <laughs> anyway, but, so Anthony. What made, what made it even kind of weirder was because Anthony had said some beautiful things but dressed up as Johnny Depp, slightly cheap version. The next to him was a guy who'd been through the Rwandan genocide a, a church leader, and he was telling all these hideous stories about, you know, how his father was murdered, his house was burnt down, he lost his job, just because he was a Tutsi He was kicked out of school, wasn't allowed to be educated, he went to university, kicked out of university, got a job, kicked out of the job. Just persecution upon persecution upon persecution. So in his mid twenties, who can blame him? This man Antoine is a bitter, angry young man, and then he hears the gospel. And he hears this bit of the gospel, that Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. And he struck a chord and his life was completely changed by those words of Jesus. Father, forgive them for they know what they do. You know, if Jesus could forgive the people who offered him that massive injustice, that brutal death... Maybe I could have power to forgive. And he's now become what they call the Nelson Mandela of Rwanda who's been super significant in reconciliation and healing on the back of all that ethnic cleansing and genocide. (sighs) Father, forgive them. I saw this little slide this week from Coventry Cathedral. And my my first kind of ever large opportunity to speak was... um, was at Coventry Cathedral and I was giving me testimony i had been a Christian about a year and i like thousands of people in this massive cathedral and I've been interviewed by a guy called um, George Hoffman who founded Tear Fund and then a few months later he died suddenly. Amazing man. But uh, in Coventry Cathedral, which is a shiny modern cathedral, you know it's like because the old cathedral have we got that slide of the cross? I think we have somewhere anyway. Yeah. yeah. In Coventry Cathedral, it's a modern amazing huge building next to the ruins of the old cathedral that was bombed by the german bombers destroyed in the second world war and right in the center of the new building is this cross made of nails from the old building and underneath can you see that father forgive and when this first went up there was a lot of outrage around that display in coventry cathedral because surely it shouldn't say father forgive surely it should say father forgive them. Father, forgive the Germans for destroying our beautiful cathedral. Father, forgive others for the wicked things they've done. No, Father, forgive is what we need to say. <laughs> Father, forgive me. Yeah, guess, don't yeah. point the finger at them, because yeah. when you point the finger at them, four other fingers point back at you. Yeah, Unless we're willing to say, Father, forgive me because of what you did, I'm owning this. Yeah. You know, we're going to see a film that Mel Gibson made in a few moments. And I don't know where Mel Gibson stands with Jesus, but I do know that when he made this film, and when it came to the time for nailing the, the, the nails through Jesus' hands, he made sure it was his hand. He doesn't appear in the film at all. Just his hand is the one nailing the nails into Jesus' hands. Because Mel Gibson was like, it was my sin that placed him there. And because of the great wickedness of the world, yes, but also because of my great wickedness, I need a saviour. We need a saviour. And we've got a saviour. He went all the way. He went all the way through the horror of the cross because of his great love. It was his great love that took him there. Because he knew somebody had to take the punishment and he took it. Quick, look at that picture from South Africa. We haven't got long. But I went to South Africa. In this time last week I was curled up on one of that beautiful 14-hour economy flights all the way back from Cape uh, Town. What a joy that is! It's the only time I really want to believe in prosperity gospel. On <laughs> one of those planes. But anyway, but while I was in South Africa, so I went to we we flew out uh, and uh, flew out on a Saturday night. Yeah, in October, and uh, preached on a Sunday morning, you know, you're quite tired after that long flight, and so I thought we well, just have 24 hours away at a guest house, so we booked in a guest house at a place called Franchu, we were talking about it before, I it with Joel, and uh, it's just like the most beautiful place on earth it's amazing Franchu you've ever been and we booked in this little guest house on booking.com it's dead cheap, but amazing and as I walked in on the desk there's that guy with the black t-shirt it's called Mandler, and he said, hello Mr. Hawthorne he said, you know, you look like somebody I listened to on the internet. He's also called Hawthorne. <laughs> and uh, I said, and the authors, and the authors. yes, Andy Hawthorne, who leads the message trust. <laughs> I said, no way, you know me. How'd you know me? He said, Well, yeah, I was in prison and your team helped me and they helped me get this job. And how this man, the guy who did seven and a half years in prison, otter gangster, nightmare in the townships, running around with guns and doing terrible things. He's this beautiful man of God. He's doing a the theology degree, he wants to be a pastor and leader in the church. He's just awesome. So I went back to visit him on this trip with Mark Schlesinger, and in the same guest house, he's Johnny, the guy in the blue t-shirt. I mean, the funny thing about that picture is like, it's like 25 degrees there, and they're all wearing jumpers, and I've got me sandals and shorts, and red face because I'm from Manchester. <laughs> but uh, but the hair was Johnny. Johnny just come out of prison about a month ago after doing like 13 years. He was in a shootout where a policeman was killed, a terrible thing. And he said, oh, no, All I wanted like to do when I was a boy and the sign of being a man was having a gun and using it in the townships, you know, where death's just an everyday event. And so those two young men have done like 20 years, but Johnny is on fire for Christ. Absolutely also works at this guest house now. And he just wants to be a businessman. He said to me, after Mandler gave his test, he said, I want to be a pastor. I want to be a, you know, a missionary. I want to just go and preach the gospel wherever I can. Johnny says, and he was slightly embarrassed?" Actually, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be a businessman, Andy. I want to run a Christian business that employs loads of people. And I've got all these ideas and we're helping him with his business. But what a beautiful thing, there, isn't it? Now, some people would say, Mandler, lock him up, throw away the key. Loser. Johnny. He's done a terrible thing. He's a murderer. Forget it. The good news is, all pretty much all the big heroes in the Bible are murderers or adulterers or persecutors in the church. You know, because you come to the cross and we're all sinners. We all need a saviour. And we, we find one. As Jesus died on the cross and he shouted out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It tells us the sky went black as God was punishing the Son for our sins, and there's a, a temple in the Holy of Holies, protecting you know, where God dwelt in the temple in Jerusalem. It was like as wide as the span of a man's hand, highly embroidered. And the Bible tells us that as this historic event, as Jesus screamed out on the cross, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And it's like God saying, I'm out of here! I'm out of here! I'm no longer residing in a temple in Jerusalem. It's time for me to get out now and move all over the world by my spirit. I'm not going to be confined to my purposes, some little country in the Middle East. I'm going to be moving all over the world. Where's God today? City world. Better than that, he's in my heart. Because I've asked Jesus to come in and forgive my sins and i am gone to heaven and I've got something to live for because of what Jesus did. Not because I preach and lead a ministry but because I've come to the only lifeboat that can rescue me from hell. The cross of Jesus Christ. <laughs> my time's up and I want to show you this amazing and brutal video. I don't think there's little kids in here at all but because it's shocking stuff. But it needs to be shocking because it is shocking what happened on the cross. And the the, the physical suffering of Christ is God's great drama. So watch this video and then we'll see what God wants to do. We need to remember, don't we? We mustn't forget what our Saviour did for us. He's great, the great price he paid so that we can be free, so we can be forgiven. So we can go to heaven when we die. But also we can have heaven in us here on earth. We can have Jesus with us. I said Jesus is here in the sinning world. We can't see him. He's here by his spirit. And we know him. We can feel his presence. His presence is real. And I know the difference between living without Jesus and now living with him. It's black and white in colour. It's all the difference in the world. So I'd love us to have a little holy moment. And I want to speak to you. Let's bow our heads maybe and close our eyes. And just, just reflect on what we've heard this morning and what we've just seen in that video. The cross demands a response. We can't, we can't be ambivalent. We can't like, oh right, oh we've heard about that this way. It demands us. We either say, we're like the thief on the cross who said, no, nothing to do with this. Or we're like the thief who said, remember me. Forgive me. And I know what makes sense. And if you come into church this morning and you're not a Christian, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to have all your ducks in a row. I hope you've got that. The beautiful thing about the thief on the cross was the first person into heaven after Jesus died with him, who'd done nothing to deserve it, but Jesus had done everything for him. And all he did was reach out to Jesus, and Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. What an amazing thing. So if you're not a Christian this morning, or maybe you've fallen so far away, you've come back to church or come along this morning, you don't even know if you're a Christian, but you want to be a Christian. Some of my friends have got a booklet that our senior pastor up or work it out that'll really, really help you. Don't put your hand up to get a booklet, but it'll just help you to you fresh start. But I'd love you to just, and it will be good for you as well as a sign just to say, I'm in, I want to be a Christian. Just in this holy moment, just raise your hand, just pop your hand up. So anybody who needs to give their life to Christ this morning? Anybody? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, hands popping up now. That's great. Let we make sure these guys get up by the wonderful? Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Yeah, thank you, Lord. Anybody else? i just going to wait a moment because this is precious. This is life-changing stuff that's happening in, in Didsbury this morning. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You don't become a Christian by raising your hand. It's just a helpful thing to do, to say, I mean, I'm serious. You know, I'm prepared. People around me know, and people who brought me know. It's a beautiful thing. It's a precious thing. If you raise your hand, though, it's super important. At the end of this service, as a little prayer team. You want to just set a seal on that and pray God's best blessing on your life and help you tell you about what the church is doing here and I have to help you, so please make sure you come down at the end of the service and pray with some people, but as well as an individual response, first time response, I'm <coughs> coming to Jesus because of his great love for me on the cross I think there's a need for a big response this morning from those that have been following Jesus for a while you know, because Paul didn't just say, God forbid that I should boast about anything but the cross and that's what I've been trying to do this morning he said, because of the cross, the world's been crucified to me and I to the world. And what he meant was, I- I'm no longer bound up in chasing after materialism or, or pride or hypocrisy or vanity, the stuff that we can so easily chase after. Do you understand? In other words, I just want to be all out, whatever the cost, whatever the price. If he paid that great price for me, I've got to go for it. Imagine what a bunch of people this large who took it seriously and said, because of what Jesus did, I'm dead to this world, I'm alive to Christ. I'm going to be this crazy, radical follower of Jesus who does what it takes to get the job done. Yeah. Imagine if we're like that. Yeah. And as we get into a season of change at Ivy, where there's going to be more church planting and flocks, and we don't even know quite where we're going to meet, but it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to involve reaching more people. We need some people who are up for it, yeah. don't we? People are saying, because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, I'm going to go wherever He says. I'm going to live like I'm dead to this world and alive to Christ. I just pray, Lord, by your Spirit now, we won't stand because others stand. Stand because this is serious stuff. Because you deserve it. We can't earn our salvation. No amount of church party and big meetings are going to do that. But because of our salvation, we are compelled to follow you yeah. we are compelled to live like we're dead to this world and alive to you and I'd like to invite you if what I've said is just where you're at today to stand in another like a little holy moment for Christians to stand, you stand right now if that makes sense to you I'm all in I'm all in, whatever the cost I'm going to go and it might even be that some of the people who've given their life to Christ this morning, well, <laughs> yes please I What a great thing that would be as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you all. Precious thing, precious moment, pride. I believe this morning, it's the week before Easter. Yeah. So we're going to be bad friends because we're stood up. We're going to make sure this place is round next week. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it costs. Wherever we need to go, wherever we need to give, wherever we need to serve, whatever it costs. You couldn't have done more, Jesus, for us. And so now we're just going to bring it Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray the Holy Spirit. be super present. And I pray you'll speak to them, Lord. I pray you'll speak to them about what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus in this generation. I pray a church will be built and grow and multiply that will bring massive glory to you. That will put this message of the cross on a stand. This city will hear the good news of the cross. Yes, Lord, through us and through our adventures together, great glory will be given to you. And a great harvest will be won for you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's all stand and give the Lord a round of applause.